Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. kicking off a brand new sermon series that we have entitled The Passion, The Final Week of Jesus. And so what we're going to be doing is just spending a few, a few weeks looking at the last seven days of the life of Jesus. It begins with the triumphal entry and then ends with his resurrection where we're going to gather on Easter Sunday and celebrate the risen Savior. Amen. And uh, so this is what this series is going to look like. Today, we're going to be unpacking the triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem. And then Monday, so next week, Jesus clears the temple, and uh, Pastor Anthony is going to be bringing a powerful word. And then on Tuesday of the Passion Week, Jesus is teaching on the hillside on the Mount of Olives. And then on Wednesday, uh, the scripture doesn't have a, a ton of context of what Jesus did on Wednesday other than he rested. So he's preparing to go to the cross, and so there's some rest. And then we're going to jump into Thursday of the Passion Week, where Jesus has the Last Supper with the disciples. And then we get to Friday of the Passion Week, where Jesus goes to the cross. And then the week before Easter, we're going to look at Saturday of the Passion Week, and this is Jesus in the grave. And you're like, so what could you possibly preach on when it comes to Jesus being in the grave other than he's in the grave? And uh, But Pastor Angel is going to be bringing a powerful word about what's in between the pain of Friday and the promise of Sunday. What do you do in the waiting all right, and so that's what we'll be doing on that Saturday. And then on Easter Sunday, of course, we will be gathering for the resurrection of our Savior. And I would be encouraging you, I would be challenging you even now. I know it's seven weeks away, but who are you bringing? Right? Who are you bringing? Who are you inviting? What family member, what coworker, what neighbor are you going to reach out to and say, man, I'd love, I'd love for you to join me uh, at church on Easter Sunday. What's the worst thing they could do? Tell you no. Right? But what's the best thing that could happen? They say yes. And so I would encourage you to invite somebody out on that day. And you may be wondering, like, man, why are we spending so much time? Like, this is seven weeks. Why are we spending so much time on the final week of Jesus' life? There are over, so if you, if you turn to the, book, the New Testament in the Bible, so you got Old Testament and New Testament. The New Testament is the life uh, of Jesus and, and what happens after he was born and then through his death and then the early church. There are the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are 89 chapters, right, for those four books. 29 of those chapters deal with the final week of Jesus' life. So one-third of all of those chapters deal with the, light, the, the last week of Jesus' life. The book of John, half of it. Half of it is the final week of Jesus' life. It's not saying that the other weeks aren't important. That's not what we're saying. Like, oh, the other weeks just don't count. Like, Jesus' life is not really a big deal. We'll just focus on, his, on this last week. No, what we want to lean into is, man, what, what was the motivation factor? What was the motivating factor in this passion, right? We, the, this week is called Passion Week, right? The final week of Jesus' life is called Passion Week. And, man, we want to be able to look into not just the title, Right? There is a title, but we want to look in what's the motivation. What was the passion that Jesus had? And so we're going to intentionally pause and say, okay, God, what do you have for us? What can we learn? 
right? If, if we want our lives to imitate the life of Jesus, then we're going to spend some time intentionally looking at the last week of his life and looking at his passion. And I know it's, it's cliche and, and, and we hear it and we preach it all the time, but it's the truth nonetheless. The passion, his passion for us was because of the love that he had for us. Right? This Passion Week, when we look at, and you're going to see the life of Jesus, this passion was about the love that he had for us because his passion became our victory. Right? That's how we're going to end this series. His passion became our victory. If we look in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 13, it says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Right? This is Jesus. He, he loves us. He's friends with us. And he's, man, he's going to give and he gave his life for us. And throughout this series, my hope is that your passion level will rise to the level of his passion. I hope that your passion level will rise to the level of his sacrifice. I hope that your passion level will rise to the level of his love. I hope that your passion level will rise to the level of his grace. I hope that your passion level will rise to the level of his forgiveness. So Passion Week begins on Palm Sunday. It's the triumphal entry of Jesus and as I mentioned before, those gospels, all four gospels, give us the biblical account of this triumphal entry, but we're going to just sit on the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19. I know it'll come on the screens. Uh, I say this often, right? Just don't take my word for it, right? Be students of the word. Dive into it yourself. Open it up and go, man, I want to make sure what's on that screen, what Pastor Lance is saying. That's what the text says. And so, here we go in the book of Luke, chapter 19. We're going to be looking at verses 29 through 35 for just a moment. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Now just imagine, you, give, you have specific instructions from Jesus to go find this colt. If anybody asks, of course the owners are going to ask. I mean, if someone, just imagine if someone was in your car starting your car and you're like, hey, curious, why you start my car? Uh, and then you're supposed to say, the Lord needs it. Now understand, this is because Jesus asked him. I'm not telling you go to the parking lot right now and find the nicest car and be like, that's mine. That's not the way this works, okay? But, it, but the owners say, what, what, are you, what are you doing untying the colt? And it says, they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. I love this portion of scripture. I don't know if you're catching all of this, but do you see the details that Jesus has already planned out? Right? Hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go, and I'm going to ask you to go get this colt. And then when you go get the colt, if anybody asks, just say, I need it. And when the owners say, what are you doing? Then you just say, I need it. And of course, the owners are like, sure, he needs it. So take it, and they use it. And so all of the details Jesus is working out. And I wonder if that's a reminder for us today that he sees the details of your life, and he's working them all out. Right? He's working it all out. And, and it's so powerful to see. And man, when we read this account in Matthew or in John's Gospels, they bring it from a different perspective. And that's from an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Now understand that this prophetic word was given 400 years before Jesus said, Do it. 400 year gap between what was prophesied and Jesus saying, this is what we're going to do. And it says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem, 
See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, I, when I first became a Christian and a number of years after following Jesus, this is, this is one of those texts that really inspired me, kept me motivated of staying hungry for Jesus. And you're like, why? Because understand that 400 gap, that 400 year gap, for a moment, something is said, something is prophesied. Jesus himself fulfills over 300 prophetic words from the Old Testament to the New Testament because of his first coming, right? His birth. And now all of a sudden, here's something that's said. We have the documentation from, from this book of Zechariah, now written 400 years later, we see this coming to fruition and it being exactly as the prophetic word said. Like, who knew? Only God could do that. Only God could bring something from 400 years and see it to fruition, right? What a powerful word that we're able to lean in and celebrate on. And here's what I also see in the text that I, that's so powerful to me. I don't know about you, this is about a two-mile journey. Okay, this triumphal entry, this is about a two-mile journey. The only thing worse than riding a horse for two miles would be riding a horse that's not trained for two miles, Right? This, this, is, this, this is a horse that no one's ridden. This is a horse that's not trained. And now all of a sudden they throw their cloaks on this horse and this horse just with Jesus on him making this triumphal entry. I love, right? I wonder if Jesus in the moment was like when they were like, ah, Jesus, this is a good idea. Like you want us to go get this horse. This horse isn't trained. And now all of a sudden you're gonna ride on this horse. This horse is gonna kick you off. And I wonder if he was like, I got this. I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm the Prince of Peace. And so when I sit on this horse, this horse isn't going to kick. This horse isn't going to buck because my peace, right, is for everyone. And so when I sit on this horse, we're going to make this triumphal entry because he is the Prince of Peace. Now let's finish up the account of where we want to sit on this morning. It says, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices with all the miracles they had seen. They said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And now here we get to the religious people of the biblical times, the Pharisees. It says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Some of you are now catching on to what you were asked to do on your way into church this morning. If you if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Some, some scholars say that this could have been a moment where a million people had gathered, right? Can you imagine this crowd and they're shouting and they're saying things like, Hosanna, which means God save us, right? They're, they're praising King, King. And there's this wonderful, wonderful resound of praise. And yet here the Pharisees are. And understand who the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are the people who, who want to tell you what to do. They want to control the moment. And what they're saying is, listen, tell your disciples to be quiet because we don't worship like this. We don't praise like this. Like this is, this is getting a little crazy. This is a little loud. This is a little excessive. This seems slightly aggressive for a normal worship service. And yet here they are, and Jesus is going to give them some instruction. Now understand, the, the Pharisees in this moment are like, listen, keep them quiet. And here's what I find interesting in the text, is that they eventually listened. Because five days later, five days later, this same crowd that's screaming and praising and worshiping and saying Hosanna, that same crowd and that same voice turned to anger. And they began to shout a different expression, crucify him. 
The same crowd that's experiencing this moment of worship and praise will be the same crowd that submits to that Pharisee voice and will scream and yell, crucify him. So this morning, I want to focus in for just a moment on the text that says, if they keep quiet, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So today, we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. Will we allow the rock to cry out in our place? We allow the rock to crowd in your place. Now, I think you're like, man, can we put this to the test? Can we just gather our rocks and not say anything and see if G- Like, I, listen, he'll do it, but I don't think that's his choice. What I really want is for us to bring that, that exaltation, to magnify, to worship, to lift up his name. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the crowd who brings the praise to Christ and not the crucifixion of the Christ. Right, like you had those two voices, right? One Palm Sunday and then one on Good Friday. In those same voices, one is shouting Hosanna, one is bringing the praise, but the other is shouting the crucifixion. And I don't wanna be a part of the crowd who's saying crucify. I wanna be a part of the crowd who's lifting up his name, who's magnifying his name, who's exalting and bringing in a, a sacrifice of worship to the Lord. You see, we all worship something or someone. We all do. We all find ourselves in a position where we will worship something or someone. And you're like, Pastor Lance, hold on a minute. I do not raise my hands toward idols. I do not fall down on my knees in front of idols. I do not worship something else, but you're saying I worship someone or something else. Well, let me, let me give it to you like this this morning. You may not fall in a posture of worship in front of anything, but do we still not offer our worship to something else? For instance, like our time. How do we spend our time? If I were to say, I can't wait to, how do you fill in that blank? I can't wait to go to lunch today after church. I can't wait to celebrate, and then you fill in the blank. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to experience. If you fill in that blank with anything other than I can't wait to worship at the feet of Jesus, then where do we find our struggle? When When reading the word becomes less attractive than shopping on Amazon, maybe we have a problem. Right, when we're like, oh, what's today's deal? Oh, how fast is that package gonna get here? Where's it at? I need to check, where's it at? It was supposed to be here three seconds ago and it's not here and so I need to, and I'm gonna refresh and I'm gonna make sure it's here. And so do we worship worship him with our time? What about with our talent? Do we worship him with our talent? Is our talent meant to bring us glory or to bring him glory? Oh, Pastor Lance, I, I love to teach. Man, I love teaching, but just don't ask me to teach on Sundays. Oh, I, I have a talent. I love, I love to play drums, but I only play them on Friday nights. I can't play them on Sunday mornings. It just doesn't work as well. Right? Are we using our talents to bring him glory or to bring us glory? Or maybe do we offer worship when it comes to our treasures? Oh, I heard Pastor Phil talking about giving. I, I know a few weeks ago we talked to, we had a missions conference and we talked about pledging to missions and we talked about our special missions project of raising $25,000 for a birthing center in Tanzania, right? By our generosity, our $25,000 will be matched. I love, you would think, like when you say the word matched, you think of being doubled, right? 25,000 and they'll give 25,000 and they'll have $50,000, no. By our generosity of donating $25,000, another institution will donate with a match up to three quarters of a million dollars for all the supplies needed for this birthing center. Right? That's crazy. 
But Pastor Lance, I hear you, and I want to I wanna be able to worship God with my treasures, but I have a $750 a month car payment, and so I can't afford that. Right? So do we worship him with our time and our talent and our treasures? And now hear me on this. This isn't for shame, but I say, hear me, I say all that to say it's okay to love other things. You can love other things. And you're like, really? Yes. You know what? I, hear me on this. I love family vacations. I love going with my family, spending time together, eliminating the distractions, uh, the, whole, the whole beach part of it. Somehow I got suckered into a family that likes to lay in the sun. Uh, hello, right? Casper the ghost and the sun don't get along. And so, so, but I go and I enjoy it and I lather up and I drink sunscreen and it's beautiful and, and, and we make it through, but I love just spending time on family vacations. I, I love, I love watching my youngest, Olivia, cheer. I love it. I love going to the football games and the basketball games. I, I, I love watching her cheer. I love uh, my oldest, Bree. I love watching her worship and leading people into the presence of God. My middle daughter, Kirsten, I love, man, when Kirsten serves, like there is something that's electric. Like she serves with a passion and a smile that's contagious. And I'm like, man, I just, anytime she says yes, I just, man, the way she serves. I love watching Pastor Angel teach, right? One of the things that's hard for me is I'm, I'm and I love it, I'm teaching a leadership class on Wednesday, but that means I can't be in the marriage class. All right, and I would encourage you this. We're, we're, we still have a few weeks left, about five weeks left of the marriage class, and then we're gonna repeat it. I would encourage you if, you, if you have the time, jump in now or start when we relaunch it here in just a number of weeks because it will revolutionize your marriage. All right, but I love listening to Pastor Angel teach. So it's okay to love other things. Jesus is okay with you loving others, but what he's not okay with is you loving him second. Right? It's okay to love others, but he's not okay with you loving him second. It's fine for me to love Cleveland sports. It's fine for me to be a diehard fan, but he doesn't want me to love them more than I love him. Right? And so you can love other things, but just don't love them more than you love him. Why? Because he gave his best for our best. He, he made a sacrifice for us, and he's wondering if we would do the same for him. Right? Would you make a sacrifice for him? He gave his life and he's like, man, will you give yours? Will you offer to me worship and praise? And here's why, because worship is our response to what we value most. Right? Worship is our response to what we value most. Uh, Jack Hayford, I've, I've used this quote a number of times when I've preached on worship and I love it, I can't get away from it. Jack Hayford said, worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshiped. I'll repeat it again. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshiped. So your life begins to change as you worship Christ because your life will imitate the one that you are worshiping. So I would challenge you with this. If you don't like who you are becoming, then look at who you are imitating. Right? If you're like, man, I don't like where my life is going. I don't like this path. I don't like this trajectory. Then, man, look at the one you're imitating. Right? If you don't like who you're becoming, then look at the person you are imitating. In John chapter 4, Jesus says he's looking. He's looking for worshipers. Right? I hope he finds some at Radiant Life Church this morning. Right? When he's out there and he's like, oh, anybody here? Let's go. Right? He's looking for people who will worship him. But he says, I'm looking for people who will worship me in spirit and in truth. The Greek word that, that's used there for worship is proskunao. It means to kiss the hand. Some of you are like, what? That seems a little awkward. I, it represents a form of worship out of reverence. It means to bow low. 
It means to put yourself in a position to bow, to kiss the ground, to kiss the feet, to the, kiss the hem of, of his garment. It's a posture of reverence, saying, God, I come to you in this moment of worship. I put myself in a posture that wants to exalt you and lift you up. So this morning, I want to give you three quick points about how God wants us to worship him. So if you're taking notes, write it down. If you have the Bible, the church, our church app, it's very easy. You click the arrow, it'll autofill. Like we're taking... We're taking all the hard work and giving you the easy work this morning, all right? And so here's three quick points about how God wants us to worship him. Number one is this. God wants us to worship him with an action of love. An action of love. All right, fellas, I'm gonna ask you to do something, but I'm not really asking you to do something, okay? This is something you should not do, but I'm gonna ask you to just dream with me for a little bit. So for the entire month of March, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to ignore your wife. I don't want you to, right, (laughs) listen again, I'm not asking, I'm just asking you to dream with me, okay? So you are going to ignore your wife, you're not going to speak to your wife, you're not going to offer any hugs, you're not going to give any words of affirmation, there's no intimacy, there's no dating, there's absolutely doing not one chore, no honey-do list, nothing. And at the end of the month, I want you to walk up to her, I want you to grab her by the face, and I want you to say, I'm so madly in love with you. Remember, God wants us to worship him with an action of love. In that moment, after that 31 days, you may receive an action of love, which would equate to a punch in the face. Because love is expressed. You can't say you love someone and not show it. Like, no, I'm gonna do nothing for you. I'm not gonna exalt you. I'm not gonna bless you. I'm not gonna sacrifice for you. I'm not gonna give to you. I want nothing to do with you, but I want you to know I'm madly in love with you. That love has to be expressed. For God so loved the world, finish it, that he gave. He gave. He's a giver. It wasn't, I love you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. No, I love you. And because I love you, because I'm so passionately in love with you, because there is no other way, I will give my one and only son. Because it was a love that was expressed. It wasn't just said, it moved him to take action. We all want to feel loved. We all want someone to go out of our way to show us love. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had the privilege of traveling um, and then you, you come back to the airport, right? There's this moment where if you've been gone for some time and your family's like, oh, I'm so excited to see you. And, and so all of a sudden you see this at the airport, people are holding up signs, they have flowers and there's this big celebration. But if you have no one there, you got to do the walk of shame. You're like, everybody else like, ah, ah, and running towards each other. And then you're like, good to see you. No one's here for me. This happened with our family uh, four years ago on Thursday. This happened with our family. So Pastor Angel was in Tanzania. She was in Africa and she comes home. And uh, here's the picture of the girls at the airport with some signs celebrating. And did God bless the rains down in Africa? Don't worry, mom, I took care of dad, but now it's your turn because he's a lot of work. And then I love Olivia's. Look how small Olivia's, right? Welcome back from prison, mommy. Like this was a, a wonderful, joyous celebration. This was at Cleveland Hopkins International Air. Like these were the signs that were holding up. You want to talk about people laughing. They were like, uh, and then Angel comes down, you know, to, to the baggage claim, right? And there's this celebration. And we all love that because we want to see love expressed. God desires for us to have an expression of ourselves back to him. The book of Psalms, the entire book, 
It's like, a, it's like a giant picture of how we can express our love back to God in Psalm 150, verses one through six. It says, praise the Lord. I mean, we could just stop there, but it goes on. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Hello. Praise God. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals, not the clash of clans. And praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise means to celebrate. It means to boast. It means to rave. So if you have breath in your lungs, then let praise be in your hearts, right? If, you have some, if you're drawing breath this morning, then I hope that with that breath comes a praise from your lungs because that's what he desires from us. The night before, right? We're talking about the, the final week of Jesus, so this would be an extended version, right? The night before the triumphal entry, we see in the text that Mary takes a very expensive bottle of perfume and she's putting it all over the feet of Jesus. And, and of course, Judas, uh, the, the betrayer, is like, you just wasted all that. You could have sold that and given to the poor. And the text tells us that, that Judas didn't give to the poor either, but he wants to tell other people of what they should do with their finances. But it was a love that was moved into action. And Jesus, in another account, says, because... She's been forgiven much. She loves much. Church, let us never forget where he found us. Let us never forget where he found us. Let us never forget how far he's taken us. And let us never forget the place that he's preparing for us. And so let us not forget where he found us, that place, that place where we needed grace, that place where we were jacked up, messed up, and we, we felt like the world was, was so empty and void of hope, and, and yet he finds us in this place, and he picks us up, and he, he surrounds us with his love. Amen. And then you remember how far he's taken you. Like you you're, you've been on this journey of following after Jesus, and you, can, you remember where you were, and you, you celebrate where you are, but you know he's preparing a place for you in eternity, and so you, let us never forget. Because here's what I know, when you remember what he's done for you in the past, you will complain less about what he hasn't done and thank him more for what he has done. Right, you're like, no, nah, the light's out, right? And we have these complaints, and, and it's like, and, it, and hear me on this, he's big enough to handle every complaint we have. But at some point, that complaint needs to turn to praise, right? Because we think of everything that we do have. We think of his favor. We think of his blessings. We think of his love. We think of his grace. And hopefully through that, we begin to thank him for what we do have and not what we don't have. And so we have to lean into that. Number two, if you're taking notes this morning of how does God want us to worship him? God wants us to worship him with no distractions. Romans 12.2, do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. He wants the attention and the focus to be on him. I would ask you this morning, if you were to pull out your uh, smart device, or you were to pull, pull out your, your daily planner, do you have any, when, anything in there that says appointment with God? Do you, have an, do you have a daily appointment set up where you meet with him, where you talk with him? You have fellowship, you have communion, you have prayer, you have worship. Like I, sometimes I show people my calendar and they're like, that, that right there is scary because it, it looks, it's so color-coded and everything's everywhere and you bring it up. But here's what I do. 
every night before I go to bed, I, I look at my calendar. I'm like, okay, I have to plan out my day. So what do I have on my calendar tomorrow? Well, I got a meeting here. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got to schedule this. I got this. And that's, and it's great. It helps me to focus on what I need to be present for, right? So if I see that I have to go to the doctor, how many know that I, I, you don't miss your doctor appointments because it's on your calendar? I, d- I don't miss, or right, I had to go to the chiropractor this week. They're trying to make me taller and they're stretching my spine. And so I didn't miss that appointment. I showed up. Why? Because it was on my calendar. We, we typically don't miss something that we're prepared and ready to see. And so I wonder if we put daily appointment. And you're like, so you want me to schedule time with God? No, what I'm saying is it should be the first thing that we do. It should, it should be the preeminent thing. Like, man, if I'm going to do something today, I'm going to make sure that I'm spending time with the Lord. I said it before, give him, your, give him your first 15. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, right? Five minutes of praise, right? So you get in the word, you get some worship, and you get some prayer. Give him the first 15 minutes of your day because that's what he desires from us. He wants us to worship him with no distractions. And I love that in the text, it says, instead, fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out. So if you feel this morning like something in my life needs to change, I'm not sure what it is. I just know something needs to change. Then my encouragement to you would be take a little bit of time, eliminate the distractions, and fix your eyes on Jesus. It doesn't say fix your eyes on anything or anyone else. It just says fix your eyes on Jesus, and then you will be changed from the inside out. Pastor Angel says it, said it this way. I've shared it numerous times, so it was hers, and I stole it, so I keep sharing it. Um, and it's this. You steer where you stare right? The distractions on the road. When you look left, typically whatever has your attention is the way that you begin to drift, right? All of a sudden you see something, there's an accident and it's on the other side of the highway. There's police on the other side of the highway and you got rubberneck syndrome and you're like this. And all of a sudden you start steering in the direction that you are staring. And so I wonder if it's time for you to begin to stare and fix your eyes upon the gaze of Jesus so that you can start heading in his direction. Not to the left, not to the right, but focused and fixed on him. It reminds me of um, a video I saw not too long ago of an Eagles fan who was so hyped, he was so focused on the people that he did not see what was right in front of him. And it looks like this. That's it right? He's running. He's so fixed on the people, ah, right? And he doesn't see the pole that's right there. That pole did not just magically appear, but he was, what, staring in one direction that had his attention, that had his focus, and he missed what was right in front of him. Church, I don't want to miss an opportunity of what is right in front of us this morning. Because we're so focused on anything and everything else. And so Jesus is saying, man, you want to come to worship? Then eliminate the distractions. We have to keep our eyes fixed on him. Lastly, God wants us to worship him with our sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 through 16. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Did you hear that? He says, therefore Jesus, it says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. That means when we don't feel like it, when it's not the right song, when it's not the right melody, when it's 9.38 in the morning, 
When, when life seems to be getting the best of us, when, when there's a trial or there's a struggle, when we don't get our way, let there be a sacrifice of praise. Understand that your act of obedience is an act of worship. Your act of obedience is an act of worship. So let this sink in. We, we talk about this all the time. We, we tell everybody, go to the Connection Center, go to the Connection Center, go to the Connection Center. What's at the Connection Center? It's, it's our next steps. We're all on a journey of following after Jesus, and all of us have a next step. It's so important that uh, after Easter, we're going to actually break down an entire sermon on just next steps. Like, what do we do? And so I would encourage you, you're, you're thinking about a next step. If you have never went public with your faith by being baptized in water, right, fully submerged, the Greek word baptismo, being fully submerged, if you have never been baptized in water, then that would be a next step for you. If you've given your life to Jesus, then your next step would be being baptized in water. That act is an act of worship because that act of obedience leads to an act of worship. Maybe we talked about it this morning, serve. Like the best way to serve God is by serving others. That act of obedience is an act of worship. So if you're not serving, I would encourage you to sign up and to serve. Uh, we talked about it. Pastor Angel's getting ready to go to El Salvador, right? In just a, a, a few short months. And then in, in December, we have an opportunity to go to New York City again. And then in March of 2024, we're taking a trip to Nicaragua. And so all of those, that act of obedience by saying, yes, I'm willing to go, to go wherever the gospel is needed, to go and, and work on this project, to share with, with children, to build this church and this Bible school, that act of obedience is an act of worship. Or maybe it's becoming a member. Maybe you're like, I actually like this church. Minus you, preacher, this church is really, really good. And so I want to become a member. And so you sign up for membership. That act of obedience is an act of worship. In just a few short weeks, we're gonna, we, we do this maybe twice a year. We do it for Stand Sunday where we ask you to bring a dollar and then we pass buckets, right? And, we, and those go to the vulnerable children. But in a few short weeks, we're going to take up an offering. That offering is, is not for salaries. It's not for missions. That offering is what we call camp offering. It is so that we can send every child who has a desire to go to, to our camp, our summer camp, where they will have a week of no distractions, a week of endless praise, a week of being able to spend time in the presence of the Lord. When we talked about kids being called in the ministry, so many of those kids had that moment at a camp, at an altar. Why, it, why can't they get it here? I think sometimes it's because we're so distracted with everything else. See, at camp, you turn in your phone. At camp, you're saturated and surrounded by people of like mind. Your, your only heart's desire for that week is to spend time with Jesus. And so we wanna make sure every kid has a chance to go to camp, every kid. But that means that we may, with our obedience, it becomes an act of worship. And so you'll have an opportunity to send those kids to camp. And so when that kid has an experience that changes their life forever, they will be eternally grateful for your sacrifice, your obedience. And so that will be an act of worship. So what do we do now? The most important act of worship starts with surrender. He gave his best and he is asking us this morning, will you give yours? So let's dial back. Let's put this whole sermon in reverse of how we started. Will we allow a rock to cry out in our place? So you have a rock. Mine's very small. You probably can't read my name because uh, I can't read my name, but that's, never mind the grammar. But you were asked to put your name on this rock. So you have a choice this morning. Will you allow this rock to speak on your behalf? 
Will you allow this rock to, to intercede for you? Because we have a choice. We have a, we have a choice to worship God with an action of love, to express with your actions, right? Standing and lifting hands and singing and open up your mouth and, and, and beginning to, to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. We have an opportunity and a choice, a moment with no distractions. Your kids are good right now, right? They're in class, they're, they're being, babies are being held. Right? You don't have to get out your phones. You can leave them on the seat. You can put them in your pocket. You can turn them off. And so you have no distractions. And so we have a choice this morning. Will we worship God and bring him a sacrifice of praise? You're like, I'm not ready for it. I just don't feel like it. Can I just encourage you this morning? I don't want no rock crying out on my behalf. I don't want a rock speaking for me the sacrifice and the thankfulness, the gratitude that the Savior gave his life for me. I wanna be a part of the crowd that shouts Hosanna. I wanna be a part of the group that worships and exalts and lifts up the name of Jesus. You see, the passion of the Christ, the passion week, the passion, the motivation that he has for us, the love that he has for us, the passion demands a passionate response. And so will you give that passionate response this morning? So church, it, service looks a little bit different today. Typically we open up and we're like, oh, we'll have our board members down front, we'll pray for you. This morning is an opportunity for you to lean into that I don't wanna rock crying out. And so I'm gonna encourage you, would you stand to your feet all over this place? If you feel comfortable, would you begin to lift up a sacrifice of praise? And for just the next 20, 25 minutes, we're gonna turn this place, this whole worship center into a house of worship, a house of prayer. And would you sing? And would you lift up the name of Jesus? Because I don't want a rock crying out in my place.